You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the concept of loading drills and why doing this will help your players improve their skills a lot faster and potentially reach a different skill level that they may have not been able to reach before doing this ideal of loading drills. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 59 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How you guys doing out there? My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. If you are a new les- uh, listener, welcome to the pod. You got about 58 episodes to get caught up on. And if you are a regular listener, as always, I appreciate you tuning in, trusting me to provide some kind of value that will help you and your team, and you can take it back to your gym and apply it right away. Uh, you know, I think this week I have, I've, we've gotten a lot of new listeners. I had a people, a couple of coaches reach out to me um, on Instagram and stuff like that, saying, "Yeah, you know, I just found your pod and I've been listening to it, and you know, it, it's, uh, and they're they're enjoying it." So I, I listen. I appreciate the feedback that you guys are giving me. It, it makes me uh, more motivated to produce great episodes, and um, you know, I, I enjoy doing this. I also want to want to thank you guys again. Uh, the podcast is growing, uh, man. It makes me so happy to see the podcast growing. We're we're in, uh, I'm as the month of July is finishing, we are hitting our highest download month yet, which is amazing. And the previous month in June, that was the highest uh, download month up until that point. So every month, it seems like we're getting more and more downloads, which is incredible. You know, I, I'm. I'm I love the fact that I could reach more people, you know, around the world, which means that we're I'm I'm helping in growing the game. I'm helping you guys uh, take this to your back to your gym, and you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to grow the game. That's 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 all we're trying to do. So uh, I appreciate it. And today's episode is is another hopefully good one for you guys. We're going to talk about this concept of loading drills. Now, the the um, the loading drills. The term is actually I, I want to say it's a Canadian volleyball term, but I could be wrong. Um, that's where I first heard about it. Is is in a, a Canadian volleyball workshop for coaches uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, but I think the ideal of this idea of loading drills is important. So one of the things now this this uh, this episode. So I'm actually doing a live training tonight uh, inside Digital Volleyball Academy. It's uh, it's a live training on drill design. It's actually part two. And uh, for those of you that don't know what, what Digital Volleyball Academy is, it's uh, it's my signature membership where I get to mentor and provide uh, help to coaches all around the world. And I do a lot of live training. I basically give them access to me and my resources, our gym, and all that fun stuff. Um, so it's a, it's it's one of my one of my biggest and most proud accomplishments in creating this mentorship program. You know, when I was growing up, I never really had a coach's mentorship program I could be a part of. They didn't really exist. I don't even know if they still exist, but uh, it's my way of being able to mentor coaches and give you guys a place where you can go when you have questions. Um, Because that's something, unfortunately, I didn't have growing up. So every so often, you know, I do live trainings. And tonight is another live training. It's part two to my live training I did last month uh, of drill design. 
And I'm going to take just one concept out of the training. So for those of you that are members of DVA, um, if you're listening to this, you got to go into the membership and actually listen to the entire or, or watch the entire training because this is only going to be a part of it. Um, but it is an important part that I want my listeners to uh, to take in and, and hopefully apply it to your gym right away. This ideal of loading, loading your drills. So what it is, it's basically making a drill more difficult um, by adding some kind of extra challenge, but keeping many of the characteristics of the drill the same. So, you know, the reason we, we do this is because we want players to focus on new challenges instead of having to learn a new drill. You know, one of the common mistakes that I made as a younger coach was when I when I wanted, you know, to make to take the skill to another level, I would try to come up with a new drill. You know, if we want to improve our passing, I would come up with a new drill to improve our passing or hitting and so forth. And what that does is it, it wastes practice time, first of all. And a lot of times, you know, I, I, if you've listened to, uh, you know what, you know, an episode before I get into this to listen to, uh, I did an episode on drill design already. Um, that was episode 54. Uh, it's called Key Factors in Drill Design. So uh, you might want to take a listen to that as well as this one because uh, they, they both will help you. But, you know, we don't want to run into this a lot of coaches tell me you know i need more drills i need more drills i need more drills and the reality is you you don't need more drills you can take a fundamental list of drills and modify them make them better or or not necessarily make them better but alter them to cater to what you're trying to do and and that's the secret to that's really the secret to drill design wholeheartedly is taking simple drills and modifying them to your team's needs one thing if you if you learn something from today is you know, there's no right or wrong drill. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of drills out there, but our game is very simple. And you have to come up with drills that will help your specific problem on your team. Not every drill is for every team, right? Now, obviously, there are some generic ones that, of course, every team can do, but sometimes to really dial into your team's specific problems, you have to cater that, you have to cater the, the drill to, you, to your team, and only you can do that. So one thing I try to do with our coaches is I try to teach them how, like what to look for and how to cater their drills to their team. All right. And so an understanding that you may have a drill already that you do in your gym. And today's uh, episode, I'm hoping that I can, you know, kind of give you the tools to take that drill that you already are doing in your gym and modify it to make it better, add things to it, make it more difficult to help your players develop faster and potentially reach a skill level that they wouldn't have if you didn't do this, okay? So that's why we do it. We wanna, you know, instead of creating a, a new drill and wasting, you know, your valuable practice time, we wanna create new challenges within a drill, all right? And um, also understanding when to do this is important too. So when your athletes are ready to move on to a more demanding task, you know, but, but they still need to perform the same movements, like, you know, if you're a setter, you're, you you can you know you now have the ability to set a ball consistently, but then we want to take that setting to the next level. You know, start integrating uh, cue reading, decision making, uh, making your skill execution better. You know, things like that. Well, we can take a simple drill and add things to it. You know, passing is the exact same thing. So what this is going to do for you is that instead of coming up with a new drill, you're going to take one, modify it, make it tougher, and this is going to you know add some. Comp competitive attitude amongst your players, right? They become more competitive in the drill. And you know what? To be honest, you, you need fun. When you're performing high reps of the same skill, you, you got to have some fun in it because otherwise your, your players are going to get kind of bored and, and you know, they, 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 they may not be enjoying themselves as much as they could be, okay? So now that we've underst we understand what loading a drill means, 
Okay, we understand the purpose of it. Let's talk about how to do this. So I'm gonna give you guys five strategies on how we can load a drill and make it more competitive, right? I'll, I'll try to, I'll, I'll interchange between passers and setters because those are the most common ones where we try to do this. Um, so let's talk about the first strategy you can use to load a drill. And that is simply presenting more cues. Really simple, presenting more cues. And what this does is it forces the players to read and validate the cues much faster. So a simple example, if uh, we're doing passing, for example, right, you're working on the ability for your player to pass. Well, now that the player perhaps understands how to create a platform, understands how to pass, well, we want to present more cues. Well, a simple way of doing that is adding in a second passer. So by adding in a second passer now, now we start adding the element of, you know, passing zones, seams, and things like that. So in a passing drill where like, for example, the butterfly, right? The butterfly is a very common passing or ball control drill. If you don't know what the butterfly drill is, um, you may want to look it up because um, it's kind of hard for me to explain it over a podcast, but essentially it's an exercise where a player serves the ball, a player passes the ball to a target the target catches and then becomes the server and continues that then serves pass catch serve pass catch and you do it all everyone follows their ball and it's a continuous drill over and over again now what's nice about this drill is the butterfly is actually a really simple drill to use because you can modify the butterfly drill quite a bit you can add more difficult things to it and in a situation like this by adding a second passer you're presenting another cue for the passer to read so the same drill same drill, but we're adding in a second passer now. So see how something simple like that will help, again, load the drill, it will help. It will force them to read and validate their cues faster. It also forces them to discriminate between cues. Discriminate is probably a bad word, but it, you know, differentiate, that's a better word, differentiate between the cues, okay? The second thing, uh, the second strategy you can use when it comes to loading drills is reduce the time for cue reading. All right, that's an interesting one. So example, uh, you know, close your eyes and then reopen them or adding a task that requires to scan the court. You know, so a simple one can be if you're working on setters, let's do, use a setter, for example. Well, a setter can be in their, you know, in their position. Um, as soon as you can have them close their eyes and then you can say open when the passer is about to pass the ball. Okay, so something like that makes the makes the drill a simple, like you can have a simple setting drill where you were originally getting a ball from a passer and then setting to a target. Well, now what you can do is you can have the player close their eyes. As soon as the passer is about to pass it, they open. So it, again, what is it? Do? It's the same thing. It forces the player to read and validate cues faster. It forces rapid cue reading and decision-making, okay? It also focus, uh, focuses players to quickly refocus all right, it really forces them to refocus to the primary task of the drill and whatever that drill is, whether it's hitting a target, making the right decision, you know, stuff like that. So reducing time for cue reading is another strategy we can use. And I think it's uh, it's a simple one, but it definitely uh, does more. You, could, you can um, start the drill with your back towards the net, depending on what the drill is, right? Things like that. Again, reduce time for cue reading. All right, the third strategy we can use is adding some kind of manipulation or movement before execution. So what I mean by that is um, before the actual execution of a skill, they have to do something else. So let's say, for example, uh, we're, we're defending. We're, de we're, we're a defender, okay? So we can have a defender pass a ball or control a ball during the attacker's first two contacts. So if you're playing, if you're in a position where you're a defender here and something's happening on their side, 
during their first two contacts on the other side, the defender can pass a ball to a target or pass a ball to a coach and then have to then refocus to get a ball that's being uh, attacked from the other side of the court. Right. So again, this this is just adding manipulation. You know, some kind of movement before the player has to execute whatever the task is. And what this does again, it forces quick repositioning before execution. Um, it also complicates cue reading and decision making. So a simple thing like uh, making them do something before. You know, uh, you could also have players. I don't know. Players, you know, slap a partner's hand before contacting the ball. Uh, you can do some kind of footwork agility exercise before doing their um, their skill they're trying to do. Shuffling positions you could do. Uh, you could attackers play with two balls but only end up um, hitting one. You know, like things like that. It's, it's it's manipulating the movement, doing something in addition to whatever the skill is. Again, to just just to make it more difficult. Uh, and again, and with with things like this, I'm assuming that they have the skill down. You know what I mean? Like you can't do this if you're learning how to pass. For the first time, okay. So I probably should have put that uh, that disclaimer at the beginning. If you're teaching athletes how to pass for the first time, then your loading is going to be a bit different than what I'm describing here. I'm describing like you know high level stuff where athletes already know how to perform the skill. This what what this does is it's helping them perform the skill under different situations and circumstances. Will which in turn is going to make them you know produce the skill a lot better. That's that's kind of what I'm going for here. All right. So adding manipulation and movement before before execution is a nice little trick that you can use as well. The fourth strategy is adding instability. Okay, so what that means is, uh, you know, uh, let's go to setting for example. Maybe you start the movement on one foot. Okay, a little instability, and then you go. Maybe you have a partner or a coach that's going to hold you or push you or pull you in a in a different direction, and then have you go. So this is a little bit different than uh, my strategy number three, where we were talking about manipulation of movement. Now we're preventing the player to do something before they have to do it. You know, instability. That's why it's called instability. So they're not stable when before this happens. So I like to do this with setters where you kind of hold them a little bit and then let them go at the last minute when they when you have to. So they have to do the skill a lot faster. OK, uh, what this does, again, it, it forces the stabilizing muscles to respond. OK, so um, it helps you with your muscle development. And it also, as, as the other ones kind of do as well, increases the focus on the task. All right. So, the again, the, the big part of this whole thing here is this, the skill that we're trying to execute. We're trying to make it tougher for the athlete. And a lot of this is going to be with cues and, and think, understanding cues, understanding uh, how to move. So the athletes have to be like the, the examples that I'm giving are, are high level examples where the athletes have to be, you know, pretty decent ball players. They have to know what's going on beforehand. All right. The fifth strategy. Uh, oh, sorry. One thing I forgot to mention as well is this adds a lot of fun to the drill, you know, a lot of fun and, and unfamiliarity to the task. You know what I mean? This is, this is not a, a regular, okay, setter goes and sets a bunch of balls and, you know, it's the same thing over and over again. By just mixing it up just a little bit, we are now adding an element, uh, well, a different element to be quite honest. It's not the same thing. So it creates fun for them. It's, a little, it's an extra challenge. And we always want to try to challenge our, our athletes as well as creating some kind of fun environment. You know what else I would do to this? Sorry, this is a little off topic is I would add some gamification to this. And you guys know I'm a big believer in gamification. But um, if you if you listen to my previous episode where I, I was talking about scoring and not my previous episode, sorry, episode 54, 
of drill design, you know, I talk about the scoring system and adding in some kind of score where they can compete with each other. Well, if you're doing a drill with two setters or multiple passers, you know, adding a score in addition to this is going to help really reinforce the, the skill and the movement and, and that competition and it's fun as well. So a lot of these things that I'm talking about here by loading a drill, the stuff that I talked about back in episode 54 is still applies. It absolutely still applies. And you combine that, you have a recipe for a, a very successful drill not only, and improvement on your player's part as well. Okay. Uh, and strategy number five, Add peripheral movements uh, by you know partners of opponents, um, coaches, whatever the case is, uh, by partners or opponents rather, not of or opponents. So uh, I'll give you another example when it comes to setting. Um, you know, if you have a if you're training a setter now, this is again this is a high level, but you can have a coach on the other side of the net, and right before the setter sets the ball, the coach will move in a direction, and the setter has to set in the opposite direction. Right, so that that is forcing the setter to set away from the, wherever the middle block is going to create the one-on-one on the other side. Again, they're going to have to use their peripheral. It is a more challenging task than just setting to a target because now they have to read a little bit more. Right, they're they're what they're essentially doing is it's forcing the player to process more information and to manage simultaneously two levels of decision making. Right, they have to decide where they're going to set the ball that's one and two they have to figure out where the blocker is going in order to make the right set so they're processing a lot of information their decision making has to be uh, high level and they're simultaneously you know making two levels of decision here so it's, it's really it's really a tough task to do um, I can make this one even more tougher you know what, what we do what they do high high level volleyball is you know they'll um, they'll put, put a number and the, the setter has to, so the, the coach will be on the other side with their fingers putting a number one, number two, number three, number four, or five, et cetera. And the setter has to see that number and then call it out before they set the ball. So now they have to verbalize information and then make the set. So the coach puts up a two, player is going to say two, and then set the ball. We can go even more further than this where uh, a, play, a coach can put up, like his coach has two hands, they can put up you know, a two on one hand and a two on the other hand, and then the, the player has to add them together and say that number and then set, right? So they'll say you know, two plus two is four, and then go from there. So you can, you can get very, very, uh, you can challenge the, the athlete quite a bit with, when it comes to stuff like this. Um, I, I don't do the addition thing, the two plus two. I, I don't do that. I, ju- I definitely do the, the hands, though, going in the opposite hand or, or going in the opposite way the blocker moves and stuff like that. That, I think, is important because that's game-like. Um, I, and this is my opinion, by the way. The, this is no way. Like I know I have a lot of coaches who I respect who do the, the two plus two or the fingers and the counting and stuff like that. And I no problem. It, it works for them. My personal preference is I, I want to train my setters to be more game-like. So I would do game, game movements on the other side of the court. So essentially the blocker transition to one side, setter sees that, makes the read, and then sets in the opposite direction and stuff like that. So that's what I would say when it comes to training uh, the peripheral movements by looking at the other side of the court. All right. So just to recap, and I want to talk about one more thing before we finish the episode here, is loading a drill is 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 important okay coaches i do not want you to think you have to come up with new drills every time we want to either take a skill to another level or perhaps 
you're bored with a drill and you want to come up with a new drill that are that's basically working on the same skill that you're working on with that first drill. We we don't want to do that. Right, it's more work for you. Athlete has to learn another drill, and it's 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 not efficient. It really isn't efficient. So we we reduce. So let's just recap the five strategies that that we talked about. Okay, present more cues. Okay, so if you haven't been writing this down and, and you're not driving, you might want to write this down. You want to present more cues. And the example I gave was the passers. You know, you add another passer. All right, setters. We just talked about a whole bunch of re- ways you can present more cues for the setter there. We want to, the second strategy was reduce time for cue reading. Okay, one of the examples I gave you guys, close your eyes and then reopen them. Uh, the third thing was adding some kind of manipulation or movement before execution. So I gave you the example of passing a ball before you get ready to dig a ball and play defense. Um, the fourth is adding some kind of instability. You know, the example I gave you guys was holding your setter and then pushing them or pulling them or whatever the case is. And then the fifth strategy was adding some kind of peripheral movement um, for, by looking at by the either the other side of the court or actually it's probably going to be the other side of the court because that's your peripheral by definition uh, and that way the whoever whatever the your uh, whatever skill your player is working on they're going to have to manage a lot of information simultaneously and make decisions accordingly uh, and that's a really tough thing to do so uh, those are those are five strategies now a couple of things I want to add to this uh, if you are a DVA member, I want you to go and listen to the efficient or go watch the efficient the efficiency training because it's going to add value to this. Uh, but we want to be efficient when we do these things. You know, when when it comes to volume, when we talk to, talk about drills, you know, volume is the mother of all skill, right? The more you do a skill, the better you get at it. So repetition is the mother of all skill. I think, I think that's the that's the saying. We want to make sure that. We are challenging the athletes. We're keeping them engaged. They're having fun. And there's lots of ways we can do that. I gave you guys five strategies today. I also want to add in that timing drills are important. You, t- you, that, you, know, you can time a drill so the athlete knows that they're, uh, they're not just doing it for the sake of doing it and then waiting until the coach says we're done. It's timed. That helps them stay focused. Also, feedback, measurable feedback. You know I say this all the time and I'm going to continue saying it. When athletes are doing this drill, giving them some kind of measurable feedback. And remember, feedback is, you know, one, one explanation of feedback is good job, great set, great pass. And what does that mean exactly? But if you say you pass a 2.3, that, you don't have to say great pass. They know what the number associated with their skill was, and that gives them a benchmark where they can continue to progress. So measurable feedback is important. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Measurable feedback. Uh making sure that it's timed that helps as well keeping them engaged keeping them focused as soon as the as soon as, and the thing about these drills is that they have to be focused the minute they lose sight they lose focus the drills deteriorate and then they're not improving their skills but if you can figure out and by the way guys i gave you five there are a ton a ton of ways you can load a drill as coaches this is where we get to be creative you can figure out what's best for your team what is the you know Everyone's different. Every player is different. Every team's different. What is the best way where you can load a drill to help your players develop faster? Because to be quite honest, loading drills helps accelerate player development and it helps them reach another level of the skill that they may have not reached if you didn't load the skill uh, or load the drill rather. So really, really, there's a lot of positives um, around loading a drill. And I hope that you can take this uh, away or take away what what we've kind of talked about today and and apply to your gym and come up with your own ways of loading a drill. Um, The one thing I'll, I'll, the last thing I'll leave you with is uh, 
if you like what you heard today, uh, please rate and review. And if you are interested in joining Digital Volleyball Academy, which is my signature membership where I get to help coaches all around the world and you guys get it. And you'll be able to access these live trainings and attend live on, on the live trainings I do inside DVA. Uh, go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Uh, sign up for the wait list. Right now, doors are closed depending on when you're listening to the episode. Uh, doors are closed right now, but when I open doors, you'll be the first to get notified about that. All right. Other than that, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.